Now we finished uh, the last two Friday mornings on the study of the conquest period. Conquest period covers about 25 years, from about 1486 to about 1375. Uh, they got into the land and conquered the strategic areas of land in about seven years, and then they had to divide up the land, and uh, that took uh, another, oh, 16, 17, 18 years, so about 25 years altogether. Uh, and so, book of Joshua, we had the invasion and the conquest and the division of the land. You remember that Joshua only conquered the strategic areas of the land, and then he held the tribes responsible to drive out the Canaanites or the Hittites or the Amorites or whoever might hold uh, parts of that land that was left up to them. Joshua gave them his final command, Joshua chapter 23. Let's take our Bibles and turn over to Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23. Here is somewhat the key to the book of Judges. Here was their responsibility. Joshua laid it down in Joshua chapter 23 near the time of his death. And we suppose he died about 1375, 1376. All right, 1375, thir Joshua chapter 23. Let's begin at verse, uh, verse 3. Joshua, verse 2, Joshua called for all the elders of Israel, and, and all Israel and all their elders. Verse 3, you've seen all that the Lord your God has done unto these days and because of you. For the Lord your God is he who fought for you. Behold, I have divided, that's Joshua 13 to 22, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off, even unto the Mediterranean Sea in the west. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them out from out of your sight, and you shall possess their land as the Lord God has promised unto you, be therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that's written in the book of the law of Moses, that you turn not aside therefrom to the right hand and to the left. So <clears throat> Joshua conquered the strategic areas. He had divided up the land, and now it's their responsibility to drive out the tribes, the Canaanites that inhabit it. Here on this map is the division of the land. Now there are differences of opinion on the precise boundaries, and every map you get up is going to be drawn just a little differently. But essentially, this is the same way. On this side, on Transjordan, the Golan Heights today is over in this area over here, on the Transjordan, North Transjordan. This is called Transjordan. And, and two and a half tribes got their lot, Reuben, Gad, one half tribe of Manasseh, got their lot on this side. Reuben, Gad, one-half tribe of Manasseh. That left nine-and-a-half tribes on the west side of Jordan. So uh, Simeon and Judah got theirs in the south, and then Benjamin. Dan, Dan uh, was given this, but Dan never could drive out the Canaanites from this area. So Dan eventually migrated up here north, uh, way up north, I can't locate it right now, somewhere up here north, they migrated, and that story is given to us over in the end of the book of Judges, where they had a terribly immoral situation, and they uh, cut up, you recall, the Levite cut up his concubine into 12 pieces, and sent one piece to each one of the 12 tribes, they came down and the 12 tribes did and smacked hard the tribe of Benjamin, almost destroyed the tribe of Benjamin, from which the first king Saul came. So here's Benjamin and then Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh got two parts, one on the west side of Jordan, one on the east. Issachar, Zebulun, Asher, uh, and then uh, Naphtali, and Dan is going to have a section up here. This is the Phoenician coast. Now, they never did clear out the coastal areas of Phoenicia, never did cut, uh, uh, drive out the Philistines down here on the southeast coast. Palestine gets its name from the Philistines. 
they were seamen. And they came over apparently in the 13th century, 12, 14, 13th century B.C., from somewhere up in the islands of Greece and landed over here and formed their pentapolis, five great cities. And it's against those cities that uh, Samson moved. He lived down in those cities. And against those cities that David moved. The Philistines, always causing them trouble. And here were the 12 tribes. Now, Joshua captured the strategic cities, but he left it up to them to expel, to go on in by God's power supernaturally and expel the nations and destroy them. Destroy them. Don't make any compromises with them. Don't make any alliances with them. Their religion, conduct, morals were so degraded, they were phallic worshipers that God said destroy them. Now, you know they failed. And that's the story of the book of Judges. The repeated failure of the nation of Israel. For almost 350 years, like a cycle, like a cycle, the repeated failure of the nation of Israel. Uh, uh, rebellion, retribution, repentance, redemption. Rebellion, retribution, Repentance, redemption. Rebellion, retribution, repentance, and redemption. Seven times in the book of Judges, this cycle is, is uh, repeated. And God raised up in the redemption of the salvation of the nation, God raised up these men that are called judges. Now, their primarily res primary responsibility was not to judge. They were primarily military leaders, and they delivered the people, liberated them. They got involved in judging very little. They were not judges in the sense that we use that term today. They were primarily military uh, leaders, and many of them were military freebooters, and some of them not of the best uh, character. All right, now... Uh, <coughs> Having looked at that, uh, somewhat the background, we're ready now for the study of the book of Judges. God promised Israel uh, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to Joshua, great blessing and fruitfulness upon entering the land if they obeyed his voice. Let me lay it down in three propositions. First, God promised Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, God promised Israel great blessing and fruitfulness upon entering the promised land if they would obey his voice. Second, but this great future did not come to pass. When you read the book of Joshua, instead of blessing, victory, there's war and oppression and famine and subjugation. The question is, why? Why? Well, the book of Judges answers that question why. That's the purpose of the book of Judges, to tell us why Israel did not enjoy the blessing that God promised to them. The book of Judges is transitional between the conquest period and the monarchy period. And the book of Judges is often called the dark ages of Israel's history. The people forsook God, apostasy, Therefore, God forsook his people in judgment. And there are seven of these judgments and seven of these oppressions. Now, we want to look at six things, just as it is on your outline. Is that six things on that outline? Six things. What's the first one? Scripture? And the second one? All right. The third one, geography. Fourth, dates. Fifth, events. Number six, the men. Now, what I would like to do this morning is get up through the seventh cycle, about the halfway down, about two-thirds of the way down to the page, the seventh cycle. Then next week, take up the times and the transitions. So that's what we want to take up today and next week. All right, number one, the Scripture. What Scripture gives us the story of the period of the Judges? Well, there are three... Uh, segments of Scripture that tell us about the period of the Judges. 
obviously, what's the first one? The book of, all right, the book of Judges itself. The book of Judges itself. Secondly, the book of Luke also tells us about the period of the Judges. And then 1 Samuel 1 to 7 tells us about the end of the book of Judges. It's transitional, as I have it over here. It's the transition between the period of the Judges and the United Kingdom. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, they asked for a king. And that begins the monarchy period, which is the united kingdom and the divided kingdom and the single kingdom. So, the scripture, book of Judges, covered by three sections of scripture. One of them is, uh, one of them is the book of Judges, one is the book of Luke, and 1 Samuel 1 through 8. Now, the book of Luke is parallel to Judges 17 to 21. I wonder if you all look here carefully. In Judges chapter 3 to 16, we get virtually the whole period of the book of Judges. Then after Judges 3 to 7 to 16, the authors give us two pictures. One, a picture of apostasy against God and immorality. And the second is a picture of faithfulness of God and a picture of morality. Now, the picture of apostasy and of immorality is Judges 17 to 21. And Judges 17 to 21 probably fits back into Judges 3 and 4, as far as the context is concerned. That's a picture of apostasy and immorality. But to show us that, that despite the apostasy and immorality of the land, there were those who loved God and believed God and who lived pure lives. And so God gave to us the book of Ruth to demonstrate that. And Judges 17 to 21 and the book of Ruth are the two sides of the picture. They give us the character of the period. Judges 3 to 16, 2 16, gives us the events. Whereas Judges 70 to 21 and the book of Ruth give us the character of that period. Majority, godlessness, and immorality. Minority, piety, and godliness, and morality. Then we come to 1 Samuel chapter 1 to 8, and that's the conclusion, the last two judges. Eli and Samuel. When Samuel got old, Israel came to Samuel and said, we want to be like all the other nations. We want a, what? King. So that ends the period of the judges. And that begins the period of the monarchy. Had they had a king up to that time? Yes. But that king was in heaven. That was a theocracy. The millennium will be a theocracy. The Puritans tried, some of them at least, had in mind a theocracy. It didn't work. The period of the judges was a theocracy. It was a loose-knit uh, grouping of a confederation of 12 states with no central government. It was what's going on today. It was the old federalism, as today as the new federalism. It was the old federalism. Only in that time, God was to be their king. But they rejected God, 1 Samuel 1, 8 is the king, and they wanted a human king. Now, that was a common form of government in Greece and Rome. It was called by a long technical name, Amphictyony. Amphictyony, which is simply a loose confederation of city-states with no central government. It didn't work too well in Greece. It should have worked. Ideally, it should have worked in Israel. It was a sin to ask for the king. It should have worked. But it didn't because they didn't honor God, love God, and didn't obey his commands, didn't expel the enemy. And since they didn't do that, God judged them, and there was anarchy 
and disorder and immorality. Finally, they said, well, the way to solve it is to get a human king. Let him come in. Samuel said, all right, I'll get him in, but I'll tell you what he's going to do. Tell you what he's going to do. He's going to do two things. Number one, he's going, to, he's, going to, he's going to bring on a conscription. He's going to take your sons and your daughters and bring them into military service, conscription. And secondly, he's going to raise your taxes. You're going to be paying high taxes. You know, high taxes is nothing new. And when Samuel and Saul and David and Solomon passed off the scene and Rehoboam came on, they came to Rehoboam, and I'm anticipating myself way down the line. But to show us some of the things we see today are not really modern, they came to Rehoboam, and they said to Rehoboam, who was Solomon's son, your daddy was a great man, a great king, but he taxed us too heavily. And we up here in the north didn't have much representation. All the kings came down from around Jerusalem, the south. We didn't have much representation in the central government, and our taxes were too high. So Rehoboam, uh, first of all, he, he, he got together with the old gentleman, see? And the old gentleman said, now listen to them. Reduce their taxes, and they'll love you and follow you. He listened to them for three days. Then he got the boys he'd gone to Harvard with, or wherever he went, see, I don't know. He got those boys, the new economics, and they said to him, listen, listen, tax them heavier, tax them heavier. So Rehoboam called all Israel back, the ten northern tribes, he said, listen, my, my little finger, tax-wise, my little finger is going to be heavier than my daddy's thigh. If you believe my daddy taxed you, when you get your next tax bill, find out what you're going to pay, see? And you know what happened. The ten tribes said, to thy tents, O Israel. That is, we're going to revolt. And they revolted. On their two different, and civil war, only two differences in the civil war, and ours over a hundred years ago. The north revolted against the south, number one. Number two, it was successful. And from there on, they had two capitals and two sets of kings. And the study of Israel's history really gets involved. If you think your head spins a little now, see, wait till we get into that. You'll need to drink about three cups of coffee when you come here in the morning. When we get into those two kings and two nations and two capitals and two sets of prophets running contemporarily through the period of the united and divided or divided kingdom. All right, the scripture, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel 1 day. Number two, the theme. What is the theme? The repeated failure of Israel. The repeated failure of Israel. Again and again and again, they fail. Look at a couple of verses that give us this. You got your Bible? I hope so. Look at Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. The repeated failure of Israel. Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, verse 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who spoiled them, the oppressors. And yet they would not redemption. They would not hearken unto their judges. But they played the harlot with other gods and bowed themselves unto these other gods. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. When the Lord had raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of the enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them who oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge died, that they went right back to their old ways and corrupt themselves more than their fathers and fought another gods to serve them, to bow down to them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn ways. What happened? Look at verse 17. Verse 17, rebellion. Rebellion. Here's the cycle. 
rebellion, rebellion. What's number, verse 18, retribution. Retribution, the Lord delivered them in the hands of their enemies, retribution. Number three, repentance, they cried unto God. They cried unto God. Number four, in verse 18 also, when they cried unto God, God raised them up judges. What's the word that covers that? Redemption, redemption. So that's a cycle, and it goes over and over and over again. Seven apostasies. Look at with you will with me when you chapter three verse seven. Look at these seven apostasies. Let's very quickly. Chapter three verse seven. The first apostasy. Chapter three verse seven. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Baal and the idols. That's the first apostasy. This is going to go now seven times. Seven times. You're going to have uh, uh, rebellion, rebellion, and then you're going to have retribution, God's judgment, and then you're going to have repentance, and I won't spell it repentance, and then you're going to have redemption. God raises up a judge, and after that judge dies, they go right back to rebellion again, retribution, repentance, and redemption. And this cycle is repeated seven times. All right, chapter 3, verse 7. There's the first apostasy in the first cycle. Chapter 3, verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12, the second, beginning of the second cycle. And the children of Israel did evil. What's the next word? Again, the second cycle. The evil again beside the Lord. The Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab. Chapter 4, verse 1, the third cycle begins. Chapter 4, verse 1, the third cycle. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. That's the third one. Chapter 6, verse 1. Here's the fourth cycle, the fourth apostasy. Chapter 6, verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them retribution, retribution into the hand of Midian seven years. And then they cry unto God. Verse 6, Israel is greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel did what? Verse 6, cried unto the Lord. There's repentance. And then God raised them up a deliverer. That's redemption. And his name was Gideon. Chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 33 and 34. After Gideon died, here we come to the fifth apostasy. Chapter 8, verse 33. It came to pass as soon as Gideon was dead that the children of Israel turned again, apostasy, and played the harlot with Balaam and made Baal Barith their God. The children of Israel remembered not the Lord their God and so on down the line. There's a fifth apostasy. Chapter 10, verse 6. Chapter 10, verse 6. The sixth apostasy. Chapter 10, verse 6. And the children of Israel did evil. What's the next word? Again, in the sight of the Lord. And served Balaam and Baal's consort, Ashtaroth, the gods of Syria, gods of Sidon, gods of Moab, gods of children of Ammon. Verse 7, retribution, the anger of the Lord is hot against Israel. Sold them in the hands of the Philistines. Verse 10, the children of Israel did what? That's repentance. So what did God do? Raise up a judge. That's redemption. And his name, chapter 11, verse 1, is what? What's his name? Jephthah. Don't be afraid to say it. What is it? Jephthah. See that cycle? Well, look here. What is that cycle? Six times already. Six times. First one, they rebel against God. Sin. Apostasy. Secondly, because they rebel against God. Number two, retribution. 
suffering, suffering, retribution. After they suffered oppression, well, then, uh, God, God sends in a foreign power to oppress them, to subjugate them. After a few years, they cry unto God for help, repentance. When they repent of their sin and cry unto God, God chooses a deliverer. What's the name of that deliverer? What's he called? Judge. That's the judge. He's not a circuit judge. He's a military deliverer, a military leader. And he fights and, and assumes the, uh, one of them was a lady, Deborah, and assumes with her general barracks and assumes the responsibility for delivering the people, and the people are delivered, and they have peace for 18 years or for 31 years. Or one time for 80 years. Then they fall into apostasy. When that judge dies, he kind of held control of these things. When he dies, they fall into apostasy once again. And that's the basic movement of the book. One more, chapter 13, verse 1. The last apostasy. The last apostasy before Eli and Samuel and the choice of the first king. Chapter 13, verse 1, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them retribution into the hand of what people? They had the Philistines, and they gave them trouble. Then God raises up a judge. You know what his name is, don't you? Samson, the last of those delivering judges, Samson. And they never really got any complete deliverance during Samson's days. Samson compromised, and, and, and they didn't get any complete deliverance, and the ark was stolen under Samuel. So finally the people asked for a king, and God gave him Saul, and he didn't give him complete redemption or deliverance. So then God raised up a man after Saul. What was his name? David. And David was a great military leader great military strategist, and he conquered the land all the way down from the south, all the way up to the river Euphrates, conquered it, put it under tribute, organized the government, and handed it over to his son, and his son in 40 years squelched the whole thing, spent the whole thing, and when it was all over, then the pie was divided up. The greatest empire of its day was the Solomonic Empire. What did the Queen of Sheba say when she came to look at it? The half has not been told. The great empire. But here's the period of the judges and their seven cycles, the repeated failure of Israel. Look at, and, and the character is given to us in two places. Look at Judges 21-25. Judges 21-25. The same statement is found in Judges 17-6. And Judges chapter 21, verse 25. Judges 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's given to us also in Judges chapter 17. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. What is that called? Well, that's called relativism. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Relativity, relativism. And it led to anarchy, which it did. Every man did that which was right. One man thought it was right to steal, he did. Another man thought it was not right to steal, he didn't. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Relativism. I took a course in history from the state university when I first came here, and the teacher was an atheist. And he started off the class the first day by saying, I'm a ethical relativist. And now it was a, it surprised me, it was a course in the Protestant Reformation. <laughs> How could an atheist teach a course in the Protestant Reformation? But he did. And uh, so, but he, he announced the first day that he was an ethical relativist. He asked, does anybody want me to explain that? Well, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to explain it. Nobody else did. Uh, ethical relativist. 
I would have liked to, but I don't normally get tied into them. But, you know, an ethical, whatever a relativist is, it's self-defeating. Because if a man says he's an ethical relativist, he means that truth is always changing. So you say to him, you're ethical relativist, yes. You believe that truth is relative, yes. You believe it's always changing, yes. What do you believe now? That there are no absolutes. But if you're relativist, tomorrow there may be some absolutes. So it's always changing. Relativity is self-defeating in itself. But that's what it was. Ethical, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That characterized the period of the judges, and it led to anarchy. And the conditions in the book of Judges were anarchistic much of that period, even during the period that these deliverers operated. And the repeated failure of the nation is the theme, the repeated failure of Israel due to repeated compromise. And they go through these seven cycles, rebellion, retribution, repentance, redemption, or sin, suffering, supplication, salvation. Now, let's go to the third one, the dates. The dates. The dates. Now, I have on there 1376 to 1050. That come out on your outline. We photostatted that. Now, that's give or take a few years. 1376 to 1050. It, it might have been 1386 to about 1030 or 1040. We're not sure how much they overlap. Now, there's a problem in chronology. I'm not going to get into it. But we know that there are 480 years between uh, uh, the fourth year of Solomon and the Exodus. And we know that, say, 1376 uh, to 1050 uh, is 6 to 326, about 350 years. Let's say 325 to 350 years. One, how we take the reign of the judges and the peace that followed them and add all those up. One of them gave peace for eight years. One of them gave peace for 30. One of them gave peace for 22. One of them gave peace, uh, one period of peace for 80 years. We add all these up. We get about 460 years. And that's a problem. And Kernel, how do we solve that problem? And the liberals, you know, this is what they're fond of doing, finding these things. And they search, they're kind of like, liberals are kind of like uh, the Pharisees that Jesus spoke of when he said, you traverse land and sea to make one proselyte. And the liberals traversed the land and sea of all the Bible to find one or two alleged mistakes of the Bible, and to catch young kids that go off to universities with these things. See, The most dangerous man, by the way, at a university or seminary is a man who at one time believed all the fundamentals of the faith in his head, but was never saved, and then he completely apostatized, became an unbeliever. And he is a militant militant, radical unbeliever. His, his uh, desire is to win young people over to the same approach that he has. He's probably the most dangerous man. He's been inside the camp. He knows the hard, tough spots. He knows the problem of evil in the universe ruled by a sovereign, benevolent God. He can pick out these spots, and he can work over and I've watched them work over young people who came in, didn't have much of a background, and, and uh, he could befuddle them, see. That's about 10% intellectual and about 90% moral. Jesus said, the light's come in this world, and you didn't come to the light. You didn't receive me. Why? Because their deeds were... Yeah, a man says, I've got an intellectual difficulty. I say, what is her name? <laughs> because most intellectual difficulties, you know, are basically, basically, there are some consistent, consistent with those. Bertrand Russell was a militant atheist, but he also was expelled 
the New York public school system back in the 1920s, back then, for promoting free love in the New York public school system. And most atheists have something. Now, our solution is that a lot of these judges were synchronous. One would be up in the north, here was one judge up in the north, and at the same time, here was another judge down in the south. And so they overlapped a little, and if you add those years, you can't get them correctly because a lot of their periods overlap, maybe 10, 15, 20 years. And we know that's true with some of the judges, so there's no real problem. I shouldn't have even mentioned that, but somewhere down the line, you're going to read that, see. That doesn't add up. No, it doesn't add up. The reason it doesn't add up is that some of these judges overlapped other judges. And therefore, you cannot uh, add their years up and get that precise total. All right, now let's go to the events, the outline of the period of the judges, the events themselves. The events themselves. The events themselves. Israel's response, uh, we got the geography, you know that pretty well. The 12 tribes uh, uh, and the enemies, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, which I pointed out, headquarters at Shiloh, which is somewhat in central Israel. Shiloh up here in central Israel, and uh, that's right here, Shiloh. That's where the ark was kept. There was no political capital, no political capital, because they didn't have a united government. It was 12 loose-knit tribes. But they did have a religious capital, and that was Shiloh. And that's where the tabernacle was, and that's where the ark was until it was stolen in the days of Samuel. Shiloh was the headquarters of that place. Now, let's go to the events themselves, the events. Number five events, the outline of the period of the judges themselves. Israel's responsibility was to expel the nations and to possess all the land. Israel faced three problems. First, the problem of expelling the nations. First, the problem of expelling the nation. Second, the problem of changing from a nomadic life to a settled life. Up to this time, they had had their herds and their flocks, and they moved around. No, they were nomads. Now they're going to settle down and become farmers. They had to make that transition. Then the third problem was the problem of maintaining unity amidst diversity. They were seven, 12 separate tribes. Yet they needed unity. If they depended on God, they would have gotten it. Their perils, Israel's perils, well, first of all, extermination as a nation. Second, social entanglement. And third, religious amalgamation, as we will see as we move along. Now, the events. How is this period divided? Well, I've outlined it up on the blackboard there. Four major sections, and it's also on your, on your outline, the same four things on your outline, but I put it on the blackboard. First of all, we've got a prelude, which is the introduction, chapter 1, 1 to chapter 3, verse 6. And the prelude does two things. First of all, in the first part, chapter 1, verse 1, to, I think chapter 2, verse 5, or no, chapter 2, verse 10, it looks back to the days of Joshua. It's retrospective. It looks back. And then beginning with about chapter 2, verse 11, to chapter 3, verse 6, it's prospective. It gives us a preview of what's going to happen here. It tells us about the cycle that's going to be repeated seven times in this period. So it's prospective, and that's what I have on the outline. Is that correct on the outline? What does it say? Retrospective and what? Prospective, all right? Now, let's just glance at that quickly. That's a little introduction, little prelude, little introduction. Let's read it very quickly, prospective, to kind of give you an idea. Uh, Joshua has died, um, and, and, and uh, his successors have died. Now, what are they going to do? Well, chapter, chapter 2, uh, retrospective in chapter 2, Look at, verse, uh, look at verse 27. What did they do? Chapter 1, verse 27. 
Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shean in its town, nor the inhabitants of Dor in its town. Verse 29, neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer. Verse 30, neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron. Verse 31, neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Achol. Verse 33, neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh. So on down the line. Failure, failure to expel the enemy. What did Joshua say? What did he say in his last command? Expel the enemy. Drive them out. Destroy them. They failed to do it. They didn't, either didn't war against them, or if they did war, they did not expel them. They put them under tribute. The failure of Israel. So in chapter 2, the angel of the Lord appears to them. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 5 and rebukes them for their failure. And, and, and verse 2, and he, he shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land, you shall throw down their altars. But, verse 2, you have not done what? Not obeyed my voice? Why have you not done this? Then he relates the death of Joshua 6 to 10 once again. Now, prospective. Let's take a minute and read it. Here's the summary of this whole period. Judges chapter 2, verse 11 to chapter 3, verse 6. Here's a summary of the period and a summary of their enemies. And it'd be well for us just to read it. Chapter 2, verse 10. Also that generation were gathered in their fathers, and there rose another generation after them who knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now, here it begins. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam the God of the Canaanites. The chief God of the Canaanites was B-A-A-L. He was the God of the harvest and the crops and the rain. And the Canaanites believed that they had to appease the God Baal in order to have good crops. He was therefore also considered as the fertility God. And consequently, very immoral rites were associated with the worship of Baal. And, and we read in the Old Testament the euphemistic term, G-R-O-V-E-S, groves. And I read that for 20 years. Didn't understand what it meant. Grove was a tree where they'd carved it, made it like a Baal. You know, they had these images of Baal all over the land. And they would carve a tree at a high place. On a, on a hill or a mountain, they would carve a tree, make it like a Baal god, worship, then drink, get drunk, then go off in the bushes and have a, a sexual relationship. And often, often, uh, uh, often homosexuality. And uh, the Canaanites were reduced to what we call phallic worship, the worship of the sex order. That's why God said, exterminate them. Baal worship, probably the most debased polytheistic religion the world has ever seen. Baal worship. And what was the thing that ensnared the Israelites again and again and again and again? Baal worship. And what led to Baal worship? What led to it was the Failure of compromise. They compromised with the culture. They took over the rock music and the television programs with the culture. And then they intermarried, and God severely warned, intermarried with the Canaanites. And they said, said a man, I'll bring my Canaanite pagan wife up to my standard of the worship of the true God, but it never quite worked that way. And she brought him down to the worship of Baal, and they were soon lost to the worship of Baal, and the pagan and immoral rites of Baal. And God saw that, then he judged them by sending an oppressor. And when the oppressor put his heel on them long enough, they cried to God, repented and cried to God, and God sent them a judge. Now, that's repeated seven times in the book of Judges. Let's read verse 11. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. Forsook the Lord God their father. 
followed the gods of the gods of people who were round about them, bowed themselves unto those gods. Verse 13, they forsook the Lord and served Baal and his consort Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was delivered hot against Israel. And he delivered them in the hands of the spoilers who spoiled them, sold them in the hands of the enemies round about so they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them, for they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, nevertheless, when they cried out to God in repentance, the Lord God raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who spoiled them. Yet, yet, after they were delivered and saved, they would not hearken unto their judges. But after that judge died, they played the harlot once again with other gods, bowed themselves to other gods, turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. When the Lord raised them up judges, and the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge, for it repented the Lord because of their repentance, groanings, their clients, by reason of them who oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers, following other gods to serve them, to bow down, and cease not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, who said, Because this people transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, not hearken to my voice, I will, I will not henceforth drive out any from before the, out of the nations that Joshua left when he died, that through them I may test Israel. See, these nations, these nations were like that abrasive bob, you got it were. See? Or that abrasive colleague, or that guy down at work that cusses and rubs you the wrong way, maybe tells dirty stories. That person that's hard to get along with in your family. The God is left there to test you. So these other nations were left to test Israel, to see if they would turn to God and worship him. And they didn't. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily. Verse chapter 3, now here are the nations, the nations that God left, the Canaanites, the five, verse 3, the five lords of the Philistines, the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites, dwelt Mount Lebanon, and so on down the line. Verse 5, the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites who inhabited Jerusalem. And verse 6, what did they do? They took them what? Intermarried, which God warned against. Took them daughters, gave their daughters their sons, served, and because of that they served their gods. The children of Israel did evil in sight. Now that's going to be the story. See, he gives us kind of a, as a good author does, you know what a good author does? A good author is going to tell you uh, where he's going. It's like the uh, man said about his sermon that he tells them where he's going. Uh, he tells them what he's going to say. And then he says it. And then he finishes by telling them what he has said. See? Now that's old sermon. And that's not a bad idea. Because somewhere down the line, people sleep or their mind wanders. They look, I, you know, I preached long enough to know that people can look at you with fascinated interest. And their minds are a thousand miles away on budgets or something else like that. So he told them where he's going. And then he tells them what he's going to tell them. And then he tells them what he told them. So here's what Joshua did. He tells them what they're doing. Now we're going to go through those seven cycles. So let's take the last minute or two and see we can get through it. The first one gives us some indications. It's illustrative. The first one. The first one, the first cycle, cycle. And each one of these has four things. The enemy, the subjection, the deliverer, and the peace. Four things. Enemy, subjection, deliverer, and peace. Each one of these. Enemy, enemy, second, subjection, third, deliverer, and then the peace, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 10 years, whatever it may be. Let's look at the first one, which is illustrative of all the seven. The first cycle, Judges chapter 3, 7 to 11. First, the, the sin, you see the sin, 
Verse 7, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot their God, and served Balaam and their idols. Now, here's the cycle. Here's the, here are these four things. First, the enemy. Therefore, the anger of the Lord is hot against Israel, and he sold them <coughs> into the hand of Cushan Rashathaim, king of Mesopotamia, probably a Hittite king of northern Mesopotamia. And, and secondly, how long did he subject them? Eight years' subjection. The enemy, the king of upper Mesopotamia. Second, the subjection, eight years. Third, the deliverers, the deliverers. Verse 9, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a judge, a deliverer, to, uh, to, and, and even, what's his name? Othniel, the younger son of Caleb, son of Kenneth, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged, or he delivered, liberated Israel from that king, and went out to war, and the Lord delivered Cushion. Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hands, and his hand prevailed again, Cushion, Rishathaim, and the land had peace, how long? Forty years. So if you look up here, see, these are the four things. First, the enemy, that, that man named Cushion, Rishathaim, king of upper Mesopotamia, probably Hittite. Secondly, they were subjected for how long? God raised up a deliverer, what was his name? Othniel, he delivered them. And then they had peace for 40 years. Now that's going to be repeated seven times. And we'll pick that up next time. We won't need to spend long on that. Let me ask you to do this, if you'll look here. Now that's something I'm asking. I ask you to look here so you can hear what I'm going to say. What I'd like to ask you to do is to read through Judges, the rest of Judges, Ruth, the first Samuel 1 day. That's what we're going to cover next time. And you read through with this outline these seven cycles. You can pick it up yourself. These seven things. First, the enemy. Who is it? The Philistines, Transjordan, Ammonites, Canaanites up north. Who is it? Secondly, secondly, how long were they subjected? Eight years? Twenty years? How long were they oppressed? Third, who was the man God raised up? Some of them were tough men. Some of them were just freebooters. Uh, God raised up to deliver them. Deliver them. One of them was a man by the name of Jephthah who made a very foolish vow to devote his daughter. Devote the first thing that came out of his house when God gave victory, and it was daughter, his daughter, to devote her as a sacrifice to death. Samson was the last of them. And then after God delivered him, he gave them a period of rest. Forty years, thirty years, ten years. So long. How'd they have rest so long? One reason is that the great powers were weak at this period. Consequently, couldn't move into the country. We'll take that up next time. All right, now I want to make a couple of announcements and then we'll be through. <clears throat>